0: Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Connery, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. This week, we are talking with Jennifer Costa of the Elder Moon School of Herbs and Earth Medicine, my first herbal teacher and continual mentor, about how to approach cannabis through the lens of the complete herbal apothecary. This will be a good one, so stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we are talking about herbalism and how cannabis fits into the complete herbal apothecary. We're going to do that by introducing you to my first formal herbal teacher and continual mentor, Jennifer Costa of the Elder Moon School of Herbs and Earth Medicine, located in Woodstock, New York. Jen also has some strong ties to Vermont, which she will share with you shortly. In addition to being a practicing herbalist for over 30 years, Jen is also a beekeeper a registered nurse with 15 years of combined experience in the OR, ER, and ICU, and a certified cannabis nurse through the Medical Cannabis Institute, a program developed by the Society of Cannabis Clinicians and approved by the New York State Department of Health. Jen, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Let's start with a brief outline of your path to becoming an herbalist. What drew you to the world of earth medicine? (laughs) Yay!
1: First, thanks for having me. This is great. Yes. So what drew me to herbalism first was uh, my health and the health of my children. I mean, it really, I was very raised, very mainstream medicine. And... Um, Having two babies a year apart and then being sick all the time, I started to question what I knew and also noticed that my mom, who didn't do this a lot, but when one of my children was very sick, she drove a half an hour to my house to bring caraway seeds because his digestive tract was Mm. very distressed. And she made a tea and she showed me how to dribble a strong caraway seed tea into an infant like a wow. baby not even a month old, by turning them on their side in little drops. And within a half an hour, he stopped crying. He started passing gas. It was like a colicky thing. That caught my attention. It was really immediate. And I looked at her and, you know, like, what – when did you start doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you pick that up? Yeah, I never. And so she told me her grandmother had taught her this. And so I was intrigued being a, I'm also a botanist and biologist by college training and a certified secondary ed teacher. So Hmm. my curiosity um, was, you know, absolutely (laughs) ignited. And I started full steam ahead, started looking into plants as sort of up the spectrum a little bit before you go to the doctor. We go, you know, sort of back a little bit and see if we can do some things. So I started doing a little research for my health and my baby's health. And that's really where it began. It began as a kitchen cupboard that got dedicated to plants. It um, began with listening to my body and the bodies of my babies, and the things that I was eating as a nursing mom, in order to bring more healing into our world. And the pediatrician confirmed it within a year. She actually looked at me, and she was a Polish pediatrician, and she was awesome. I loved her. <laughs> and she, we were in for a general checkup, which we had never been in before. We had always had sick visits. And she opened the chart back when there was still paper charting, and she said, "What are you doing different?" And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you were here like every month with sick kids, and then I haven't seen you for a year. And I said, well, I started introducing herbal medicine into our care. And she smiled because she was born in Poland. She said, oh, I know some of that. And she said, but I can't talk about it here. And that was Mm, the end of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But she wasn't negative. She was just like, oh. (laughs) She said, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And she closed the chart, and off we went. Oh, that's so that's awesome. really kind of where it began. And so I started putting out some feelers for who I could study with.
0: Hmm. So I think it's interesting that you, you know, you said that it, it started with one plant, you mm-hmm. know, because I think that's how it happens. Definitely is what I have seen uh, in my experience working on the cannabis side. Being a Nervalist myself with you as my teacher and then g- coming into the cannabis space, you know, the people who were coming to cannabis were coming because nothing else was working for them. Mm-hmm. And so they were having success with A plant for the first time, you know, and so I've always kind of looked at cannabis as being kind of like the gateway herb, you know, everybody has Mm -hmm. their own gateway herb, you know, and for my experience in the last 10 years, it's been with cannabis with people, but yours was was with caraway, which is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) And also the fact, you know, getting a little bit personal here, but that you started when you had your first children, and that's actually how I met you. Um, Yeah. You were the assistant to... Yeah. My midwife and I was mm-hmm. living in Woodstock at the time, and I decided to have a home birth. and And there you were, you know, <laughs> you were the one wild card uh, to the situation. <laughs> uh, I knew everybody else who was on the property that day, but you never know who the assistant's going to be because you never know when you're going into labor. Right. You know, I just remember seeing you coming down the driveway that day and being like, "Oh my God, who is this woman?" <laughs> and you took care of me after I gave birth. You know, and that's how you know i I had had some unstructured lessons. I would say in nature. I wouldn't necessarily even say with herbalism in particular. Um, but, you know, my dad was a naturalist and I learned a lot about plants and trees growing up uh, through him. But you were my first formal teacher and that's how it all started. You know, you were taking care of me after I was uh, gave birth to my first daughter. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> that's what I started uh, learning from you. So who was your first teacher? Uh, in the
1: herbal world? So my first teacher was Pam Montgomery, and she's up in Vermont now, but she used to live in New York, and she was only a half an hour from where I lived. So when I started doing my homework, I went to an herbal conference that a friend of mine, that was another, like I had this very good friend of mine, Caroline, who said, hey, I want to go to this herb conference. Let's check it out. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And so when I went there, I was able to be in the presence of all these rock star herbalists, you know. Mm. And I had already mapped out the three that geographically would fit for me to study with, and it was David Winston, Pam Montgomery, and Susan Weed. They were all the closest, and wow, I that's knew... a
0: big—that's a big trio right there, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and so, but in taking classes with each one of them, it was clear to me that Pam and I there was a resonance with Pam, and so I immediately signed up for her apprenticeship, and she, it was about two years on her farm and i mm-hmm. never looked back i mean it was just absolutely worked and you know i didn't expect it to become a professional thing i was really doing it for my family first right you know, and yeah. setting up a home apothecary and so that kitchen cupboard became a cabinet became a whole cabinet and a closet became a room you know yeah. it just oh, sort yeah. of expanded from there been there
0: no you know one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on obviously plant based medicine is super important to me it's how i view cannabis. It's not separate. You know, It's been separate because of prohibition. But I also want people to understand that herbalists in the community are here as resources for people who are trying to navigate or trying to have a positive experience with cannabis as Mm -hmm. plant-based medicine. And maybe I haven't been connected to plants. Mm -hmm. And so I want them to search out herbalists in their communities Mm -hmm. in order to get better at using plants. And so just out of curiosity, is Pam... She's in southern Vermont, right? Mm-hmm. Is she still doing classes and things like that, or is she not? She's, she's kind moved, of retired.
1: No, she's not retired at all in any way. She's moved um, deeply into the spiritual work and more international work with the flower essences, and uh. but still helping people make that connection between your body, your psyche, your spirit, and that of, of the plants, too. She kind of moves in that world. So she's right. still... Does a lot of amazing work, actually. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah, but she doesn't teach apprenticeships or like how to make a tincture or things like that. Entry level stuff. She's she's sort of, you know, moved moved on to her core work as an elder. She's right. a, definitely an elder among us.
0: Great. Right. Well, we'll include a little bit of information on her in the show yeah. notes. So. You did, as you said, started doing this uh, just for your personal use, uh, mm-hmm. just like me. And then you, you did open an apothecary. That's where I started learning. Back mm-hmm. then it was Monarda. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Elder Moon. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And so you did that for a while. That's where I learned. But then you took a break from that and you decided to become a nurse. What was the, what was the thinking there?
1: Well, I had been thinking about nursing even when my kids were little. I had actually applied to nursing school between the birth of my two boys a year apart. And then I found out I was pregnant and decided I couldn't do nursing school. So my draw to anything health, you know, medicine was always there. Um, I actually was accepted into a physician's assistant program at 17 years old to go to Stony Brook on Long Island, but things obscured that path as well. Mm -hmm. So I was always drawn to medicine. And I think... What ended up happening for us was I wanted I wanted to have less fear around. I was definitely, as the community herbalist for 15 years, I had some, some fear around people come to consult and I didn't understand the medicines that they were taking, you know, from modern medicine. The blood pressure meds, the managing diabetes, all of those things that were very complex. I had been in this sort of insular bubble, this herbal bubble that was really lovely. But if I was really going to serve my community best, I felt like I needed to know modern medicine a little more. And I hadn't needed modern medicine either. So I wasn't really learning directly through my own experience. And so you know how life kind of directs you through (laughs) various events and how you roll through. Um, I ended up deciding to Sell my business. One of my students, I had three students that wanted to buy that existing business after 15 years of running it. And so I had three students that wanted to buy it. One actually ended up purchasing the business and taking it off into her world. And I signed up for nursing school at like 41 years old, which is, you know, yeah, pretty big deal, and jumped into the medical world. And it was hard. It was like culture shock in a lot of ways. And I had to get my navigation skills on in order to make it in there. And and I did. And I did. And they actually go together really well. And so yeah. I spent...
0: Um, Can I ask something, though, real quick? Or yeah. even like, I think, just let people know something, too. I mean, some people may already know this, but having a nursing degree also allows you to legally talk about herbs with people, right? Yes. I mean, I think that that's something that people don't understand. Yes. Or they may see it when they're taking, if they're getting into herbs, they're always seeing um, kind of disclaimers on bottles or on websites mm-hmm. or on whatever the products are saying traditionally used for. Right. That's because we can't make right. claims about, uh, about herbs yeah. uh, or even recommend them. So as an herbalist, like, I don't have a medical degree. Like, I, technically, I can't. Recommend herbs for people, right. um,
1: But you can. I can. I degree. can educate, yeah. and that was another attraction to the nursing license. I'm like, oh, it makes sense if I'm an herbalist yeah. to do this, you know. So, it, it's more around education. I can make. I can recommend supplements, dietary supplements. So vitamins, herbs, and things like that are considered dietary supplements, right? And so it gives me a little bit of protection, you know. I still cannot practice medicine without a license. You know, you have to consult your physician, et cetera, and um, You know, I usually encourage people to be very open with their physicians, like even guiding people on how to speak to their physicians, which they're much more open now than they were, say, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it was a little more challenging. But herbal medicine's here to stay, and everybody has to play nice and be respectful. (laughs) And it's very accepted in other countries. The herbalist sits at the table with the physician and the acupuncturist and the aromatherapist they all have equal respect with one another in other countries which we don't have here but the weather is changing it's getting better
0: yeah, I think so too yeah I, I see that myself. I mean it's still really hard to navigate at least in my experience, I feel like I do have a team of people like that but they aren't all necessarily talking to each other. That's the missing piece for me yeah. <laughs> you know like I feel like I'm lucky that I've got Yeah. All these different people on my team, but I have to still coordinate all of them, which is hard to do. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. But, you know, what was it like? I mean, you said it was hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought about that same path actually at some point. But I was like, geez, I don't know if I can work in a hospital. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was intense. Uh, (laughs) It was
1: like jumping into the fire for me. And um, I kept my herbalist uh, like, you know, in my back pocket you know, so to speak. Like I didn't broadcast that I was an herbalist. You know, I did once when I initially went into nursing school and oh man, it was, um, it didn't feel welcomed. And I saw in one of my textbooks there was a sidebar in a in the textbook in the nursing textbook about herbalism. It was about four sentences in a little box, and I remember getting like lost in that box, thinking, "Wow, the last fifteen twenty years of my life exist in that little box <laughs> mm. <laughs> over there." <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so much more than that, you know. Yes. So, and really, you know what I what I've came to is like holding deep respect for herbalism and also for modern medicine, because we do need modern medicine too, you know? Oh, for sure. And so whenever conversations would come up in the hospital, I always remained very, um, like I would like deep breathe, get very calm and like really try to find the best answer that was respectful. You know, sort of, I would square it off by a physician one time, you know, like you're in direct competition with me. And i basically said to the physician i'm actually not i'm really see it as we're both on the same side helping people get well and stay well and an herbalist can actually do quite well guiding people in health i don't just make money off of people being sick exactly so there's a little bit of a difference because modern medicine you got to be sick for them to make money so
0: you know i'm just thinking about this right now in terms of like how you might have um spoken to people about herbs in the hospital setting but you were in the OR and the mm-hmm. ER and the ICU which are all kind of like critical acute situations it's not like you're talking to people about herbs necessarily exactly. in those
1: moments you know and and I chose those places specifically because something like chemotherapy wasn't going to really be an easy place for me even going to obstetrics or going into like the birthing world after working with a home birth midwife I knew I wasn't going to do well in the hospital setting. And that's a whole other conversation. So I directed my nursing choices by going to the most critical places. So I went to the ER, you know, you have, you have a broken leg. Yeah. There's plants to help you with that. But if your leg isn't straight, we need to go to the emergency room first and get your bones aligned and then we'll work with the plants, you know? Right. So in the ICU, there is no plant that's going to make you have a blood pressure when you have no blood pressure. Right. But we have amazing medications that can make you have a blood pressure and can get you through a window where normally you would have died, you know. Yeah. So there, those were why the OR2, you know, like there's certain mm-hmm. times where we need surgery. If your intestines are twisted, you are going to die in the next two days or less. And there's no plant that's going to untwist your intestines. Right. So there's certain instances in the hospital where I felt more comfortable being in departments where I couldn't necessarily translate oh, well, if they did this plant, they wouldn't have to be here, you know, kind of thing. And maybe that's true that, you know, further along their healing back, you know, weeks or years prior, something might have shifted it. But just to learn the way the modern world ticks in the modern medicine world, I wanted to know that medicine. I want to know what it's like in there. I want to know what the medicines do and how they work. And a lot of the, really most of our pharmaceuticals come from plants or animals,
0: Right, originally,
1: they some of them still do. You know, right. like they're the raw material that goes into the laboratory to make the drug. So,
0: yeah, I think that I read. I mean, I can't remember what the the percentage is, but
1: it's high. It's a like, lot of
0: them still are. I think at least over sixty. It used to be like eighty percent were still derived directly. Yeah, sixty percent of but,
1: the medicinal plants harvested from this planet. This is a number somebody came up with. I don't know how, but. 60% of it goes to the pharmaceutical industry because they need a raw material in order to make the drug. They'll right. take a chemical, they'll maybe change a, a, a bond, put it on a different plane the, and then call it something else. But right. it basically came from, you know, Plants nature first. 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 Yeah. So you can follow the thread back. Like I've, I did that in the ICU. I researched back like where heparin came from. Like just out of curiosity, where was it plugged into the earth? You know.
0: Yes. Well, one of the main uh, heart medicines is it digitalis it comes mm-hmm. from Digi- that's from foxglove,
1: uh-huh. which is the same name, right? Digitalis is yep. foxglove. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, that as an herbalist, I don't use that plant because it is such a toxic plant. It needs to be in such micro doses in order to be safely ingested. Right. You know. So, so better as
0: a as a pharmaceutical.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So. I mean, one place that you did kind of get to use your herbal medicine a little bit was, and you had told me this story uh, or related this, is that you became a cannabis nurse, mm-hmm. you know, when when New York State passed legalization of medical cannabis. Mm-hmm. So you used to have encounters with people in the ER mm-hmm. uh, and it came in helpful there. Mm-hmm. Um, and why did you decide? I mean, I'm assuming you decided to, because cannabis is a plant. It was great that it became legal. And so why not, you know, go through the program to get certified by the state so you could have more Right. Credibility there, too.
1: That was really, I mean, it was really self-driven. It wasn't like the hospital asked me to do that. I was actually even a little wary of, because this was three or four years ago that I made that decision. I did it more for my own uh, curiosity, number one. Number two, I chose... Um, the particular organization because their program, I noticed now their programs are a little bit shorter. I did a, a much longer, more intensive program that they had a few years ago, which I guess they've, you know, changed it a little bit. But
0: I was excited to see that link that you sent me. Yeah. I've been following the Society of Cannabis Clinicians for quite some time. Yeah. It's a great organization.
1: And I found that, you know, in encouraging patients to be honest with the doctors and the nurses that they work with, that's how yeah. we change the culture. Definitely. And so unfortunately, it falls on the patient <laughs> Yes, <absolutely. laughs> to make their demands known. Yep. And then the medical profession has to follow in some respects. So I have had conversations with medical people who would make fun of patients for using cannabis. And I said, wait a minute, this is a medicinal plant. It used to be in the pharmacopeia, and it should be, and it needs to get back there. We weren't allowed to research it because it was, you know, a f- federal federally, you know, outlawed plant that said had no uh, medicinal value whatsoever. I said, so we need to change all of that, which is really complex right now. But the people have spoken that they're going to use this plant anyway, because they know that it helps them somewhere. So through that direct experience, if we can find a voice and let our clinicians know, what that does is it forces them to kind of come up to speed. You know, and I have found myself saying to physicians, hey, be careful about." you know, snickering about marijuana and snickering about cannabis with your patients because they want you to know, you know, they want you to know this plant and they want to know if this is a viable option for their healing process. So, you know, the course gave me like the language, the history, and the, I guess maybe just the confidence to be able to bring up these conversations in a more challenging environment you know, yeah, and more good. so to be there for my patients. You know, I noticed that you you know, like I would say this in the ER, like patients would come in because the THC levels are so much higher now. Some people have reactions like their heart rhythms right. are affected. And so they would come into the ER, you know, late on a Friday night or a Saturday night and you could tell they were altered a little bit, but not much, you know, but mm-hmm. they're sitting on a cardiac med trying to calm their heart down because they're in a dangerous heart rhythm. So when there was no physician around, I asked one patient of mine, I said, so I'm not sure if you were using any cannabis, but I'm just going to tell you a story. And I gave him some background because one of my sons has a cardiac condition that's genetic and he can't touch cannabis with THC because he ends up in the hospital for two days on a cardiac drug to calm his heart down. So he can't take anything. He has to have only CBD, zero THC, or like less than 0.1 THC um, because his heart's really sensitive to it. So,
0: Wow. You really got to trust your products exactly. in
1: that situation because 0.1 is not a lot. Right. You know? But everybody's um, body is a little bit different. But it yeah. was interesting to talk to this patient because he confirmed with me, he was comfortable enough with me approaching the subject that I'm like, look, be really careful about where you're getting your product from. See if yes. you can find some that's grown near you. You know, like, until, and and this was when it wasn't legal yet. But I said to him, you know, instead of curbing what you're taking, maybe find a better quality and take a little bit less and see if your heart will be okay with that. You know, yes, so, and go low and slow. Exactly, all those things that we <laughs> all know. <those> things. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which,
0: you know, that's not just with cannabis. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I guess this is a good segue. So, mm-hmm. you know, you were in the hospital setting for. Another 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. Was it like 15 mm-hmm. with the apothecary? Yep. Stepped away from that, went to the hospital for 15 mm-hmm. years, and then came out of that. I mean, you, you weathered the COVID storm. Yes. In the ICU and all of that, which yeah, was really Yeah, they floated me
1: back to the ICU. That was really hard, but yes. um, I stayed for two more years because uh, I was actually getting ready to go to part-time. Um, I had started... My current business, Elder Moon, is about nine years old now and I had started that because I realized that I missed the plants terribly. Right. And while I was telling myself I wasn't an herbalist, I always was. So so
0: You were telling yourself you weren't an herbalist, I, I a did for a little while. That.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um Denial's really funny. Yeah. While I was hauling like boxes of tinctures around, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so So you're you're open again. Mm-hmm. And so What is it like now? I mean, now you're open and cannabis, medical cannabis is legal and adult use cannabis is Mm -hmm. legal in New York State. The adult stores or the legal licensed adult stores aren't open there yet. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, gray market activity. So how do you incorporate cannabis into your apothecary now?
1: Well, my apothecary is an interesting thing when you say it because I have my personal apothecary and I have my community apothecary for my business. Okay, So cannabis really sits in my personal apothecary still because I feel I'm still in research and development mode. I'm still learning Uh, while it's been years when they started to... You know my story. I have a twin sister, and she was yeah. diagnosed with astrocytoma tumor in her brain, which is a very deadly cancer that kills you in about 18 months, mm. usually. Yeah. Um, she's nine years, <laughs> and <laughs> she's amazing. still with us, and the physicians are all scratching their head and loving that they were wrong, you know? yes. So the thing that that I did when she was diagnosed was I got really good at all the medicinal mushrooms, you know, the reishis, the turkey tails, like all the plants. I knew them all, but I really went into like how to make them the best to get them to my sister because they're phenomenal for the brain. And I started making a cannabis tincture only because... People gave us cannabis thinking that we smoked cannabis and we actually didn't. So we had this like stash that I didn't know what I was going to do with. So I was like, hmm, let me tincture it and see if my sister will take it. Because from my research, it looks like this would be phenomenal for the central nervous system, which it is. (laughs) Right. And so that's pretty much how my personal journey with it began there, which was I want to um, continue to live with my twin sister (laughs) in my life you know and so I took some risks personally because it was against the law at the time yeah and I didn't care about that I wanted my sister to live she refused the cannabis too until at five years her her tumor returned and then she started taking the cannabis and it disappeared in eight weeks and it's not come back there's been a couple of little comeback and then you know, we've changed it around. So cannabis sits in my personal apothecary, friends and family. I'm not licensed to make product to sell or anything like yeah. that. I'm, I'm certified cannabis nurse. So I can guide you on your choices and like how you will, what your, what are your expectations? Cause some people have unrealistic expectations. So we have to really look at what are their expectations and really work with picking the right strains the right delivery and then where to get it for them so it still remains separate from my community apothecary right like yeah
0: and i think it's important for people to understand that is that yeah you know i think we're working towards that time mm-hmm. i think where cannabis will sit on the shelf with the other herbs i mean it's actually something that that i'd really like to do and <laughs> um, trying to make that happen and yeah In Vermont here, but you have to have a license to do it. So right now you're only in a consulting uh, role um, and directing people to Mm -hmm. either grow themselves or obviously there's a lot of people growing it um, in that area, just like we have here in, in Vermont. Or you can direct them to a medical or adult use when it comes on board. But it's nice to have you as somebody to be another resource to guide them on mm-hmm. how to use it and how to dose. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, how do you do that? You know, like what are the basics? You know, because our audience, I think we have a real mixed audience. We have people who are just starting out. We've got experienced people. And so what are the the first steps? And I would even say, like, you know, in my experience outside of the medical cannabis dispensary you always got to size people up and understand whether they're ready to have the conversation about cannabis first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, So I'm wondering whether you experience that too or no. Like you're just saying, you know what, I have this client. They're coming to me with this, whatever their health situation is, and they're looking for some guidance. And so has cannabis become one of those plants that's just another plant where it's like, Hey, it's, it's good for pain relief. Like I might recommend or not. Do you still kind of, No,
1: I do. I do bring it up in my consults, even if it's not something that was put on the table by them. I will bring it up and say, Hey, have you considered cannabis? Because you know, your situation, you know, let's say it's, you know, like they're living on steroids and they're in a hyper inflamed state all the time. Well, maybe, you know, cannabis has incredible anti-inflammatory properties, you know, Mm-hmm. So it could be something that that they work with that way, and I usually just feel people out because some people it's such a charged plant, you know, like it's still like for example, my sister wouldn't touch it for five years because right. it, uh, it's illegal, and I was right. like, yeah, know whatever. <laughs> but you know, we're talking about life and death here, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But. I usually, it's really just talking to people and feeling them out. Most people are um, turning around and are intrigued. I do try to dispel the, like, it heals everything. You know, I try to be careful with that one, you know. Um,
0: Because it doesn't.
1: Because it doesn't. (laughs)
0: It's not right for everybody. Yeah, Uh, it's not.
1: And it's not a plan for everybody. Like I said, my one son can't really, you know, take, it would be a good plant for him for some of his other conditions, but his heart, this underlying condition that he does that he was born with, does not allow him to work with that particular plant. So, right. So I really I do sometimes just toss it on the table and tell them, listen, I I don't have product for you. However, you can I can help guide you in finding a place where you can get it if you want to try. You know.
0: Yeah. And is there a general? I'm and I. I kind of know the answer to this question in a way, but let's talk about it anyway. It's mm-hmm. like, where, where do you start with people? I mean, everybody's different. That's kind of the answer. But like, do you generally start people with tincture because it's easy to dose, you know, as a drop-by-dose um, I, I method? I do or?
1: love tincture because of that, because you yeah. can microdose, yeah. And so you can just come in drop-by-drop drop and find that threshold, you know? Definitely. So... Some people really don't want to feel like my sister does not want to feel her brain altered at all. She doesn't want to feel altered. So she takes it at night before she goes to bed. So she sleeps through it. Right. That's where she's at. She's just where she's at. And a lot of people are like that. Nah, I don't want to, you know, well, well, hang on. You know, if we do tiny doses. So I, I tend to go, I, I do like the chemistry of cannabis moving through the digestive tract versus the lungs. (laughs) You want to speak to that? I mean, why? Um, I just think there's more available to the body when you go through the gut as far as what the plant has to offer. You
0: know, now that's, I don't know how far we can go into this, but that seems a little bit, you know, in the cannabis space, and I I don't know if we're going to have time to kind of get to like how Mm -hmm. people... (sighs) you know, we've gotten conditioned in the cannabis space to kind of be looking at lab testing and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and, like, how the different methods of consumptions work in the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of the, the literature out there talks about when cannabis has to go through the digestive system, that you actually lose some stuff. (laughs) You know, that uh, it might be more powerful Mm -hmm. because it actually gets changed too as it goes through your metabolism. But are we
1: just talking about THC and CBD? Right, that's what... Yeah. Yes. See, there's so many other compounds. You and I talked about this. There's compounds that haven't even been labeled yet or marked yet as like buffers and supporting compounds that we just don't understand all the chemistry. But for some reason, I just... I don't know. It's I don't have a scientific uh, way of saying it other than I yes. just feel like when we go through the wisdom of the gut, I think we have a broader spectrum of medicine available to us than when we take it through the lungs. When we take it through the lungs, one, if it's being combusted at high temperatures, you're losing a lot. They've come out with those great, you know, lower temperature vape devices, which are I think, phenomenal. I think that's a yes. fantastic thing that you keep the temperature down, and I think you will get more. But I do still think there's some things that need to that do better through the gut. I just think right. there's a wisdom in the gut that's just not in the lungs. The lungs is right. just a delivery system right directly into the bloodstream. But in the gut, we have a whole lot of complex processes where it's it's going to be delivered, it's going to be delivered slower, it's going to be delivered longer, you know, it lasts longer. It has, you know, not such a like a, a peak and a drop. Right. And um, I think that in emergent situations like uncontrolled pain, uncontrolled anxiety, then then the smoking it is is the good first aid first out the right, gate the breakthrough because it's the quickest exactly generally. it's the quickest yeah. um, relief. Quick. But I feel that um, bringing in edibles is important to me. That's generally the message that I have for people and putting right. it on the body. I am blown away by coconut infused oils and what they can do on the body. I've had incredible yes. experience with burns. It is a phenomenal first aid burn remedy better than mm-hmm. any other herbal. And we all go to St. John's work. We go to calendula. We go to lavender. Cannabis beats all of them. I am. Wow. I mean, I, burn myself good on a wood stove and, and a a friend of mine did the same thing. And we both experimented with cannabis, uh, infused oil. It takes the pain away instantly. It does not come back with one application. I even watched a blister reabsorb. It's got to be studied for burns. Wow. It is, that's excellent. It is, that's
0: a nice little uh, It's unbelievable. information. Yeah. It's just
1: yeah. unbelievable. I keep telling people like it's for burns. Like you have <laughs> got to use it for burns, you know, <laughs> it's really, and it's just from trying it, you know, we just yes. tried it. Um, I also recently, I put it on my face for like a, f- like a fluey, sore throat, terrible, terrible throat and sinus inflammation and like a whole like kind of initial flu thing. And I was just sitting by the fire and I'm like, I just put the salve all over my face because my sinuses were packed. I'm downing fluids. I couldn't get things moving. Within an hour, my sinuses were dripping. which is what you want. You want the fluids to thin, you want your secretions to thin, and you want to get them moving. And so I think the anti-inflammatory properties are that potent. I mean, they actually went in and reduced inflammation in my sinus cavity so that they could open up.
0: And so I guess, you know, this gets to as well, like knowing what you're using, Mm -hmm. because I know like some some cultivars of cannabis are probably more anti-inflammatory than others. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the point about Uh, you know, herbalism and plant-based medicine in general is that you have to experiment with the different Mm -hmm. products. Mm -hmm. You know, I always recommend experimenting with a new plant, whether it's cannabis or a certain cannabis cultivar or another plant, that you stick with that one plant for a little while so that you get to know it. You know, that's kind of like the, the work, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, I also think it's kind of like the joy and the interesting part is like to consume plants and then pay attention. Yeah. How does it make you feel? Yeah. You know, however you're trying to use it, like what is your intention going in? And then you you start with your dose, you pick your dose mm-hmm. and your product, and then you pay attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you get better at doing that when you're doing it regularly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the, the great things about working with plants is that it really gets you kind of back in tune with yourself. And that is how know? we
1: w- study herbal medicine too. I mean, even though we have this long history and we have lots of research, I still want to put all of that aside and drink, you know, like a mild cup of that particular plant as an infusion and sit for an hour and see how you feel, like really check in with your body, this, you know, this conversation with the body that tells us how the plant works. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, if you don't have that connection uh, and you're just coming to Canada for the first time, like lab testing is super important, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, has kind of always been like a public safety issue mm-hmm. on the and the illicit market uh, is that people don't know what they're taking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so if you were lucky enough to be in a community where you had home grow available and people who have been growing these plants for a long time, there was knowledge base there, mm-hmm. you know, and that was being shared. So you, you kind of, you did know what you were taking, but you didn't know it in terms of like a lab analysis. Right. <laughs> it was more through anecdotal personal story right. evidence, yeah. uh, which is just as strong. Yeah. So it's both, you know, like I think lab testing is important. Mm-hmm. It's important for, you know, knowing that there's no contaminants in the product too, exactly. uh, yeah. whether it's, you know, pesticides that were put on the plant or uh, residual solvents or human pathogens that may have make, made their way into the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and importantly, you know, the potency. Mm-hmm. And there's another way that you can approach plant-based medicine because on the herbal side we don't have that information for plants like you don't start taking chamomile and are like oh this is like 20 milligrams of yeah, no. you know whatever the active ingredient is it's like we just don't approach it that no. way and I think it's it's important to know that there's both just like it's important to have like the medical system when you need it right <laughs> and the plant system you know? yeah
1: and in in the herbal world there isn't the money in the research you know what i mean like yes so it comes comes down to money right now cannabis is lots of money running around you know but i think yeah. that eventually that will settle and we come from a history with this plant where you know so and so up the street has a kind of strain that does this for you and this lady down the that way has a plant that you know she's known for her strains that have that for you and so we've come we've come from that allowing i'm super excited that new york has allowed um people who have medical cannabis cards can grow because we can keep them keep these plants in our yard you know and be able to um it's gonna make a i mean because it's wind pollinated like the hybridization is gonna go wonky a little bit so like you want to study the composition of it in a laboratory but (laughs) it's gonna change so rapidly When you have this hybridization happening because people are growing their own, then I'm not sure how it's going to play out, you know? Yeah. Um, And I, I I mean,
0: you taught me this too. It's like the medicine is stronger when you grow it yourself mm -hmm. or if it's growing around you in the natural environment, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's living with the same stressors and inputs and things that you are, you know, it's all part of nature. It's part of our environment. And so it's just another reason why it's important to grow it yourself. And you have, you end up having a relationship with the plant, you know, which is a you know, that's the best part about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a nice place to kind of stop mm-hmm. um, because what our plan is here is that we really wanted to introduce people to herbalism a little bit and how they can start thinking about their cannabis use mm-hmm. a little bit through the lens of plant-based medicine so that they can have a positive experience mm-hmm. with cannabis moving forward, you know, and, you know, now that we're kind of set that foundation, you know, in future episodes, you know, I'd like to talk more specifically about how we pair certain plants with certain cannabis products or cultivars Mm. for certain conditions or states, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, because we get that a lot, you know, people come to cannabis because they're um, dealing with chronic pain, or they have anxiety, or they're trying to manage stress, Mm -hmm. or they're trying to sleep better. And so, you know, cannabis being separate because of prohibition is also separated from the other plants. And my goal is to bring them all back because we we don't need to depend on cannabis. Cannabis is actually a really strong plant, it is. you know, <laughs> um, and um, we don't always need it, you know. And I think that we we can become over reliant on it. And so one of the ways that we change that is by, I think, bringing in other plants and diet and a whole bunch of things in life so that you don't need to just uh, depend on cannabis so much. So so I'd love to have you back Mm -hmm. and we can talk, you know, about the adaptogenic aspects of cannabis and what that means and what other plants are in that class and how you might work with them together. How's that sound?
1: Sounds fabulous.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, where can people connect with you? Because you know, again, you're an excellent resource. I know you're in New York State, but I continue to learn from you. I join your monthly Mm -hmm. herbal councils, and you do these excellent microdose plant diets. Uh, We got one coming up in January where we're going to be focusing on elder. Mm -hmm. What's your? How do people get in touch with you?
1: Pretty much on the web, Elder Moon School. You know, it's uh, ElderMoonSchool.net. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram, you know, just general apothecary. I really am so interested in people building their own apothecary, even if it's a little one. That's like a big one for me to have people comfortable with um, bringing the plants in, just beginning with their body, their families. I will always kind of fill that niche because that's where it begins. (laughs) Yes, 100%.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Jen, thanks so much. I really appreciate uh, you sharing your experience with us today. And I look forward to talking to you more. Yes. And I'm definitely going to see you in January because yes. I'm going to be in that plant diet. Yeah. So if you're out there, check it out on the website yeah. and join us. It's a really neat program. Yeah. All right, Jen. Take care. Thank
1: you. All right. Thank you. Computer. Bye-bye.
0: was really nice to talk with Jen. I welcome you to take up Jen's invitation to learn how to build your own home apothecary to support your health and wellness goals. In addition to Jen's products and services, which are available online, we have a wealth of herbal practitioners and resources right here in Burlington that can help get you started or grow your personal herbal practice. Two of our go-tos are Rail Yard Apothecary and Spoonful Herbals. Each of these organizations are staffed with experienced herbalists, and they stock or make products that include hemp in the form of flour or extracts. This means that they are knowledgeable about how to work with the cannabis plant and that they are open to discussing it with you. Look for their contact info in the show notes. With that, we say adieu to 2022. Happy New Year from the crew at High Fidelity. We hope that it is one of good health and personal growth. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, highfivt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.